grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our text for this day is Malachi chapter 3. Here again the part that reads, Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them, and a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. You may be seated. Might also look ahead a little bit. We will be singing hymn 767 right after the sermon. And of course, you may not be familiar with it, but it's quite repetitive. And hopefully, it makes its point. You know, the elections should have solved it all, it should have been over. But as you know, they're not. Why such a battle? Why is winning so important? Might I propose that there are two general views of our nations, which you are probably very aware of, each represented by a political party, and neither wants to be forgotten. Because when a candidate loses, will he or she be remembered? T.S. Eliot famously writes, we do not actually fear death. We fear that no one will notice our absence, that we will disappear without a trace. But at the, book of, but at the time of Malachi, God's people weren't even worrying about being remembered. In fact, one might gather from the first words of Malachi 3.13, they weren't even concerned of what the Lord was thinking. Then the Lord points out in verse 14, you have said it is vain to serve God. What is the profit of your keeping this charge or of walking as in mourning before the Lord of hosts, that is, being in repentance? What they saw as the main issue was that their world had been turned upside down, backwards to what they thought it should be, opposite the way they were taught, contrary to the Word of God on which they said that they banked on. They were, they were heading toward giving up on the Lord. They didn't see it as a blessing to be faithful, but the very opposite and now we call the arrogant blessed, he, they say, evildoers not only prosper, but they put God to the test and they escape. That's what they saw. Fast forward 400 years later. Things haven't changed much. The Gospel reading tells us of Jesus being crucified and the interactions between Jesus and the people around him. Here is the righteous Son of God being mourned for. But he says, don't mourn for me. Mourn for yourself. It's going to get so bad that it's better not to have children. And last Sunday I shared how this came true with the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 A.D. and how the people considered and even ate their own children to survive. Look how the world then was the very opposite of what it should have been. The righteous crucified as a criminal, 
the Creator's clothes, divided as dead, leave behind their possession. He is the Christ. He is the King of the Jews. And yet all these titles are used to mock Him. And yet, how does Jesus respond? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. What? Those who called for the very execution of Jesus, he desires them to be forgiven? And then the two criminals on the crosses on each side, we read in the other Gospels, it was both of them that were mocking Jesus. And then something happens. He quits. And he turns to Jesus. And Jesus says to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, today you'll be with me in paradise. The criminal who denied God's law made other people's lives so difficult, unbearable, and maybe even ended other people's lives, who mocks Jesus. And then at the last moment, Jesus says to him, he's going to be with him in paradise. There are those who feel that they have been faithful, giving up so much to be faithful to the Lord that they want to yell. That's not fair. The evil gain paradise. So again, we go back to the book of Malachi. Notice how those who feared the Lord respond. Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. Now, we are not told what they, are, they considered, but I am led to believe by the context that they are considering God's accusation against them. People have said, it is vain to serve God. What profit is our keeping his charge or walking as in mourning before the Lord of hosts? Is it really in their hearts? And has that really come out of their lips? You have been in a heated argument. You say something that injures the relationship. You wish you could have taken it, not have said it. But I ask you, what if it was true? We've all spoken words in the heat of the moment that were not true, and they're easier, certainly, to take back. However, the most devastating words are the words that are true. They cut to the heart. When we hear such words, what should be our response? Should we deny them to protect our own self-image? In our Sunday morning Bible class, we have considered such words as Peter preaches in the book of Acts. He basically gives the same sermon four different times, being very pointed about who put Jesus on the cross. Some people responded in anger. The leaders put Peter and the apostles in prison. But hear what Peter says. Let all of the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ and this Jesus whom you crucified. Acts goes on. And when they heard these words, they were cut to the heart and said to the rest of the apostles and Peter, Brothers, what shall we do? 
they realize the consequences of their actions and they realize that they couldn't get them out. They realize that if they didn't change, they would be removed from the Lord's remembrance. I can only think what the people of Malachi's time were thinking when they considered God's word as they were in worship and took seriously what God said. What happened when God's people gathered around his word and gathered together? The Lord paid attention and heard them, and a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. Now consider the criminal who once mocked Jesus. Luke records, but the other rebuked him, saying, Don't you fear God, since we are under the same sentence of condemnation, and we indeed justly, for we are receiving the reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he turns to Jesus and says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Remember me. This is that request and Jesus' answer is the solution to T.S. Eliot's famous words, we don't actually fear death, we fear that no one will notice our absence, that when we disappear, or when we disappear without a trace. Think about that. Is being forgotten worse than death? Think about it. People more or less fight all of their lives to avoid death. Why in the world do you drive on the right-hand side of the road in the United States? Because you don't want to be in a car accident and you don't want to die, right? Why do you go get a, check, a checkup at the doctor? Who wants to die from cancer, heart trouble? So much effort to avoid death. But it's going to happen anyway. But what about being forgotten? Thinking about being forgotten causes the thoughts of loneliness. Loneliness can get so unbearable that people would rather choose death than to be forgotten. People will commit suicide hoping that someone will notice and notice their pain, though negatively, thinking that it is better for being wrong than to be forgotten. Why choose hell when the Lord chose you? The Lord wants you to know today that he has not forgotten any one of you. The words that were spoken to you at your baptism still hold true. I am with you always to the very end of the age. In Isaiah 41.10, one of my favorite passages, Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and uphold you with my righteous right hand. You have been incorporated into the body of Christ, the church. You have been incorporated into God's people who were once brought in to the promised land. Now, as you believe in Jesus you also will enter into the new creation so that Joshua's words that he spoke to the people of God before they entered into the promised land are true also for you.
Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Remain firm in faith. For if Jesus can say to those who executed him, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, how much more can he forgive you for anything that you have ever done? If Jesus can say to the criminal on the cross, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise, how much more will he say to you and keep you for eternal life as you place your trust in him. Paul wrote to the Colossians, and so we too can be comforted, for in Jesus all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. And again, he has delivered you from the dominion of darkness and transferred you to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. You see, the truth of God's word does not depend, or it did not depend, on the upside-down world that Malachi saw. It does not depend, and it does not matter, of what we see in our own time which would contradict the promises of God, they are still true. God has not forgotten those who have gone before us, and he has not forgotten we who remain in Christ Jesus. And so when we plead, remember me, Jesus has not forgotten. Amen. Now the peace of God that passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.